Let's pray. Father, because your word is living and active and it is sharp like a sword, it is with some trepidation that we ask you to use it in this time to show us what you need to show us as you uh, cut in to our motives and our thoughts and we, we know you're there. But we, we ask with confidence and comfort because we know that you're a loving father and that you desire good things for us. So whatever you show us in this time, Lord, we know it's out of your love that you are revealing it to us. Just give us hearts that are obedient to it. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I did some research this week. Um, Metro Naps, Energy at Work. It all began in 2003, their website says, because we saw people falling asleep at work, on the train, in all kinds of places. When we first discussed the idea of napping at work with professionals, what we heard most was that nobody wanted to be caught sleeping on the job. Some admitted that they would sneak off to the bathroom, a parked car, or unused conference room to get a little rest. The remainder simply caffeinated their circadian rhythm in an attempt to keep their focus. That's why we created the Energy Pod, the world's first chair designed specifically for napping in the workplace. Through our patented solution, we have created the gold standard that provides unique functionality, requires limited space, and helps overcome the dated stigma uh, related to sleep at work. Allowing employees to take a short 15 to 20 minute nap is an easy and effective way to boost alertness and productivity. It also improves mood, creativity, and learning. The long-term health benefits are also substantial. So I did find a used one on eBay the other day for 5,500 bucks. So my birthday's in December. Just, just saying, just saying. Same as Jesus. Um, Okay, we, we are, we're journeying in this sermon series. We're calling it Finding True Rest. And when we talk about true rest, it's not just rest because you're fatigued or tired, although some of you may need that kind of rest. But even more than that, we, we experience times of unrest in our lives, restlessness, a sense that things are incomplete or undone and just need to achieve a little bit more. And I just can't, I just... Something's not right, and I just cannot settle down and feel at rest with my life. Something is lacking. The God of the universe intends for us to operate from a place of deep rest and satisfaction in him. Verse 10 in our passage today gives us the best summary of this. Verse 10 says, Anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from him, God has cre- from his. God has created us in His image, and God is a God who rests ultimately and offers us His ultimate rest that we can enjoy it. And that sounds awesome. Sounds great. But the problem is that we live in a world, and really, from the day you were born, uh, you were taught that uh, you need to achieve. That you, you were taught a lie that your life is based on what you accomplish. And along the way, people have encouraged this in you. They said, hey, you can do anything you want. You have it within yourself to accomplish anything you want to accomplish, to be what you want to be. 
And if you don't have the, the resources, then you can gain them. You'll just gain more education and more skills, and you can do anything you want. You can achieve anything in this world. Now, achievement in itself is not a bad thing, but believing that you have the power within you to achieve anything you want, that's a lie. And all the achievement that we do, apart from the God who gives us life, so we achieve things in life, but if we do them apart from the God who gives life, they're very hollow. They don't, they don't fulfill. They don't end up... Um, they don't bring us to a place of completion and rest. They, they, we, we achieve and, and we achieve the next thing and on to the next and we keep reaching. We don't know when to stop. But God says, stop your own efforts. You actually don't have all that it takes to accomplish everything in this world, but I do. And I want you to know that. And I want you to go about your day and do the things that you put your hand to with me as your source. And as you live that way, as you are satisfied in me and as you rest in me, as you go about the things you do, relying on him, depending on him, you can accomplish a lot of real things. Jesus said, if you you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of any substantial, lasting satisfaction. And Jesus says, "Here's here's what I offer you. No more striving, no more fearful living, no more feeling like you're not enough. I offer you rest, true rest. And through him, through you, anything that you need to get done, he will empower you to get done. So what we need to do is to just enter more fully into that rest that he offers. So our passage today is a promise that this type of rest that God has offered to his people throughout history, is available to us. We just enter it by faith. And on the flip side, the warning here is that you know, other people who have been offered this kind of rest have missed out on it. And uh, so you don't want to be one who misses out on it. So I want to look at this in three parts. The first is, uh, it's kind of a, this passage is a little bit complicated because it talks about four different eras, four different time periods of history in which God's rest has existed. I want to look at those four sort of chronologically, and it helps us to uh, interpret this passage. Secondly, I want to answer the question, how then do we enter into this rest? And then lastly, so what? What are we going to do as we leave here to more fully enter that rest? So that's what we're uh, going to tackle those three things. So first of all, the four eras of rest. And th- again, this is kind of a, a drawn-out, complicated argument that's being made. And basically, the point of the argument is the rest of God is available to you. That's the simple uh, way to put this. Verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, again, saying, so this promise of God's rest is, is for you. It's, it's a perpetual offer. And it goes all the way back to creation. So we see in this passage in verse uh, 3, the end of verse 3, it says, Yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Quoting from the book of Genesis. So we know that the world had no form and it was empty and it was dark. And God brought light and he brought order and a filling, and a beauty to the world. And God did all of his creating work, 
and then God rests. God doesn't rest because he's oh so tired from making all these wonderful things. God rested because it was complete and good and perfect. And he could just sit back on his throne and rule as king over this perfect world that he created. And, and humans were part of that world. And we were meant to just enjoy this beautiful, perfect thing that God created as long as we enjoy it within the confines of how God designed it. So God just sits back and just let, let people and let the animals and the earth, let them all just do their thing. Just a perfect rest. But humans rebel. They go outside the boundaries, the very, very few boundaries that God gave them. And the, the, the serpent plants a seed of doubt, and then the humans rebel, and then boom, it all, uh, it all unravels. We get, immediately we get um, toil. We get disharmonious relationships between people and their environment. We have, um, you know, instead of this just perfect satisfaction in God, you've got a life of, of toil and, and of struggle that flows from that. So God's rest was perfectly available, but they went, um, they, they missed out on it. So that's the first era. It, it starts right from God's creating work. So then this passage also talks about a later era, the time of what we call the time of the Exodus. Now remember, this book was written, the book of Hebrews was written to the early Christians, but they were Jewish Christians. They understood the Old Testament. They knew the stories. Um, so when we read it, the author assumes that they understand these things. So when we read it, depending on your understanding of the Old Testament, you, know, you may pick up or, or miss some of these things. So uh, he's talking about the time of the Exodus. That's when God's people were in slavery in Egypt and the chaos and the oppression of slavery. And God, through a leader named Moses, leads them out of Egypt and he's bringing them to a good place of peace and rest, the promised land. So verse 2 says, um, we, have also ha we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they, meaning the, the folks at the time of the Exodus, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So God was bringing, was bringing them to a place of perfect rest, this, this beautiful land, this promised land. And they're, they're leaving all the hardships behind, and they're leaving all of the toil of slavery behind. But it's, um, they, they didn't trust. They were afraid. They were afraid of the people who lived there. They didn't, they didn't think they could get to this good place. And so uh, they, they missed out. So God offered his rest. They did not trust. And that whole generation spent another 40 years wandering without that rest. So the formula continues, right? God at creation offers rest. And people rebel. People do not trust God. At the Exodus, God is offering them perfect rest. The people rebel. They don't enter the rest. And that leads us to the third era, the third time in history, was the day of King David, he, who wrote Psalm 95. And in chapters 3 and 4, this Psalm 95 keeps getting quoted over and over again, and a couple times here in the passage today. He says, Today, if you hear... My voice. The, the rest, the, the, the point, what, what God spoke through King David to the people of that day was that rest that they didn't enter into back at the Exodus, that rest is available to you today. God has uh, called you today to hear his voice and to trust him and enter into that rest. So there's still a rest that exists in the day of David. 
Which brings us to the fourth era of God's rest is to the people who are reading the, the book of Hebrews. And the author is saying that rest from the that God you know, established at creation that was available at the Exodus, was available to the people at the time of David, is available to you too. That every day is a today where we can hear God's voice, where we can trust him and enter perfectly into this rest. Now, the good news, if that was true for them, the early Christians, and it's true for us too, we have a today. Today is today. Today is the day where we can hear God's voice, where we can obey and trust him and enter into the rest that he intends for us as his people. It's the same rest. It's been available in every era, and it's available for us today. So how do we enter this rest? And it's the same way. Hear my voice and obey. Do not harden your heart. As much as it's an invitation to enter the rest, it's also a warning about how these other people did not enter into it. They, they hardened their hearts. They did not trust. They did not obey. Again, verse 6. Those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go into the rest because of their disobedience. And we have this this choice to either trust or to disobey. Now, again, we need to be careful here because we talk about obedience. I, I think the danger is that we say, well, you know, if I, just, if I just obey all of God's rules, then I'll you know, get all these blessings from God. He'll, he'll owe them to me because I've done all the things that I'm supposed to do. And we, that just becomes, um, it becomes a form of self-righteousness becomes a form of, of legal, legalism. It actually doesn't take faith to do that. You just, um, you just use your strength and you follow the rules and then you know, the idea is that God will somehow bless you. But that's not how trust works. Trust is I'm going to willingly follow knowing that only by God's grace he offers me this beautiful rest. So obedience is, is more, it's, it's linked to faith. And, and the question that this passage begs of us is just, will you trust me? Will you trust me today? Do not harden your hearts. There are so many things in life that could cause us to harden our hearts and to not fully trust and to not obey the Lord. The, um, you know, in the day, again, in the, in the day of the Exodus, it was the giants in the land. They said, there's giants in this land that God's leading us to. We can't defeat them. You know, we have no chance against them. It's, thing, it's something that seemed just bigger than anything that could be overcome. And do, do we face things in our day that just seem bigger than our ability to handle them? And it's exactly in those moments that God says, will you trust me? The, the other thing in the day of the Exodus was that they were going about on their way to this promised land and they were grumbling and complaining about their circumstances. Because the path to God's rest flowed through the desert, which was a place of trial and testing. And they had plenty to grumble and complain about. So the question for us is, do we see things in our world that are easy to grumble about and complain about as we go about our week? Again, all these things exist for us. And they're easily things that can harden our hearts and keep us from genuinely entering by faith into God's rest. But it's important that we identify them and that we 
seek to enter God's rest by faith because it's a, it's a rest or die situation. Verse 11 says, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish. I mean, ultimately, it's about eternal rest, eternal life, and eternal death and separation from God. That's at the heart of what this is. But it's not just you know, at the end of time or at the end of my life. It's today. I can choose to live a life of faith or a life of, of just toiling and really death. So we choose by faith to enter that rest. So, so what do we do? So if entering this rest is about me you know, trusting God and obedience and not hardening my heart and not um, disobeying God, how do we, what are we going to do this week when you leave this place? So verse 11 is the key here. It says, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. So it takes effort to enter into God's rest, which seems paradoxical. Um, Entering rest shouldn't be so much work here. But the beauty of it, and and again, these verses are from chapter 4, but back in chapter 3, it really gives us some good ways to actively do this. Take a look at this verse from Hebrews chapter 3. Again, this just precedes um, our text today. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Right? That's what we want. We, we don't want a sinful, unbelieving heart. We want a heart of faith. Uh, 13, but encourage one another daily. Remember that phrase, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if we indeed hold our original conviction firmly. Remember that phrase, hold your original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, again quoting Psalm 95, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. It's about personal conviction and mutual encouragement. So there's the individual piece. It's about holding firm to our faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting that no matter what I face today, that he is in control and that he will provide my needs. But it's also about encouraging one another. Daily encouragement. And it's something that you receive, but that daily encouragement is something that you give to other people, the people you live with. As you pray for your children, as you uh, talk to your friends, as you go about your day, reminding other people, hey, God's got this. God's in control. We can stop. We can breathe. We can rest in him. We can, yes, put our hands to good works. And we, we, uh, you know, we give ourselves fully to things because we work for the Lord. Because he is providing our life. That he is providing all that we need. And we have this mutual encouragement that we share with one another. I was, Fernando, we were talking this morning. Fernando, in his ride in, thinking about how you know, discouraging the season has been. But I said, hey, we get to do, we get to do, we get to go through a pandemic together. God has called us to be a community of people who journey through this thing together. Imagine if you had to go through the pandemic with people you hate, people you don't like. We get to do this as a community of faith. That's a beautiful thing. We could be stuck with anybody. You're stuck with me. I'm stuck with you. And that's a beautiful thing. Daily encouragement. And the other piece of this is about You'll notice this phrase over and over again, if you hear my voice, you know, from Psalm 95, if you hear my voice, it's about hearing and learning the voice of the Lord. Jesus said, 
My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. He says, they, they know my voice. And so if we're going to be obedient to the voice of the Lord, we need to hear it. I mean, it's so simple of an idea, but obedience begins with hearing the voice of the Lord. And that's why this passage ends here in verse 12. It says, the word of of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I mean, the word of God is a powerful force. Verse 13, nothing in in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything's uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The, the, the word of God is what we are seeking to obey, so we need to continue to fill ourselves with it. And so to that end, you know, we've had these daily rest stops, these moments, uh, that, uh, these devotionals that the church, folks in the church have been producing. You can go on our website and get them, and you can even subscribe to get them emailed to you. But we have these times to stop in the stop in your morning sometimes, stop in the afternoon or evening, and listen to the word again. Reset your heart. This life of, of toil and achievement is very ingrained in us. I mean, culturally, it's ingrained that if you're not achieving great things, then your life is not worth anything. That's what our world says. And we need to reset to a God who says, no, I accept you. I gave you life, and your life is valuable because I'm empowering it, and I am working in and through you. So we need that word to come back to us. And we need these rest stops along our journey to, to continue on. And I don't know if you've been using them. I, they've been, they're great so far. And there's you know, seven more weeks of them to come. So um, make sure to check in on the website or however you can get those and use that. And that's what we're going to do when we leave here. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to be mutual encouragers. And we're going to be hearing God's voice. So... In conclusion here, you know, people ask you how you're doing. Um, a lot of times they don't really want to hear how you're doing. That's okay. Just say, I'm, I'm good. How are you? And they'll say, I'm good. And you say, good. And then that's a polite, that's just a polite thing we do. But every now and then somebody really wants to know how you're doing. Say, hey, how have you been doing lately? And I know for me, sometimes I'll say, oh, I'm good. Busy. Good. When I say... When I, when I feel compelled to tell you that I'm busy, do you know what I'm really saying? You ask me how I'm doing, I have no clue how I'm doing. I have no idea. I might be doing great. I might be doing terrible. I don't know because I'm so busy. And I've chosen to be busy because if I'm busy, then I think that my life has more value. Because if I wasn't busy, then I'd be worried maybe I'm not doing the right things. I don't know if the Lord's trying to show me something good or trying to... Um, change me or if there's some sin he wants to reveal in my heart i just stay really busy and then i think people will hold me in higher esteem and i'll just keep doing it. i'll get up tomorrow and i'll go to bed tired and i'll get up tomorrow and i'll do it again because i don't really want to know how i'm doing thanks for asking <laughs> and i'm trying to not use the you know busy the b word i'm trying not to use the b word when you ask me because i i want to be a person who says you know what yeah, I am doing good because I know, because I've had time to stop and listen to my Lord. Or yeah, God is you know, kind of pulling me in a new direction or refining me or walking with me through a challenge. But I know that because I actually have the space to, to, that, to get off this hamster wheel of achievement and, and actually hear the voice of my Lord who says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let us pray. Father, 
we need this rest so bad. And we praise you that in every day and age, including this very day, that offer to enter your rest still stands. It is still a good offer. And so by faith, we, uh, we repent of the ways that we've tried to justify our lives through achievement and through busyness. And Lord, we just pray that we would rest in the truth of your offer because of the work of Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. That he, he lived the perfect life. That he accomplished it all on the cross. And we just, by grace, receive forgiveness. We receive new life. Something that we could have never achieved on our own, Lord. You've provided it for us. May we be satisfied in that. May we oper- operate from a place of being so loved and, and so uh, cared for by you, our loving Father, that we would be full of rest and full of joy in every way. Help us, Lord, to enter that rest in deeper and deeper ways. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.